Welcome to Recipe for Success. My name is Nancy Giacalone, and the intent of this um, podcast LinkedIn live series is to tie my love of cooking in with my love of business and personal success as well. One of the things that I've found over the years is that there's always a secret ingredient, a secret technique. Some people might even call it a secret sauce. Um, that is the key to whether your dish is a success or a failure. And really, it's very true in business as well. So I've been having a lot of fun having different business leaders, people from different industries come on and tie that theme into what they do. So today, I'm really excited to have Mo. Let's see if I can get this right. I've been practicing. Abel Basil. Basil. It's supposed to be an S. I still struggle with that one a little bit. With insincerity, <laughs> I think I got close. So welcome, Mo, to our podcast. Good morning, Nancy. Thank you so much for the introduction. And you you were spot on. You were very close. Uh, and, you know, to everybody, my name is actually Muhammad Saleh Abdullah Saleh Talib Abu Basal, but we shorten it to Mo Abu Basal just because it's a lot easier for most people. Uh, so thank you for having me, Nancy, and, and looking forward to bringing some insights and a good conversation this morning. I'm thrilled to have you and thank you very much for not making me pronounce the entire name because <laughs> I'd have been have to be I'd be studying all night to get that one right. But so I did find out an interesting fact when uh, Mo and I were chatting before the show. Why don't you tell the audience what your last name means? <laughs> so it really <laughs> translates into the father of onions. And so, now as an adult, I don't actually mind it, but as a kid, it wasn't a lot of fun, especially going to school as a kid. Kids walk past me and start, you know, itching their eyes because it's onion. It was not fun. So you you won't make us cry today though, will you? No, no. Okay. As long okay. as you guys behave. All right. So um, Mo works for a company called Insperity. And um, the, Insperity is a PEO organization. And what the heck is a PEO, Mo? Tell us a little bit about what those acronyms mean and um, a little bit more. Yeah, you got it. And, you know, first of all, this time of year, I like to make a disclaimer to anybody I speak with. Um, I'm neither high or sad. I just have bad allergies this time of year and it gets my eyes really watery. But I promise you, I'm neither high or sad. I'm okay. Okay. Uh, and to answer your question, a PEO stands for Professional Employer Organization. And from the name, we become the professional employer to small and medium-sized businesses across the country. And, and why, why did it become a thing? Uh, I'd like to take it back to you know, business in general. You're a business owner. Why do people get in business? You get in business because you, you have a product, you have a service, you have a passion or a dream that you want to bring to the market. Now, once you start your business, get a little bit of momentum, start to grow, you hire people that don't have the same last name as you do. Now you have a long list of things to do that you did not get in business to do. Things like recruiting, onboarding, payroll, payroll taxes, benefits, HR, compliance, and the list goes on and on. These things generate no revenue to your business, expose you to liability, and take a lot of your time. And for most small and medium-sized businesses, you neither have the need or the capital to start building your internal infrastructure for HR and employee experience or employee related uh, functions. So the PO enters a relationship with small and medium sized businesses to shift that responsibility and liability of being an employer. So you focus on the product or service, passion or dream that you got in business to do to start with. Does that make sense? 
It does. And, you know, um, I'll be honest with you. So I've always been a little bit gun shy about PEOs. I didn't really understand how they, because they don't all work the same. And we'll get to that in a minute, how they interacted with an employer, with benefit programs. And they weren't as prevalent in this area in the Pacific Northwest as they were in other parts of the country. I understand that I think Florida is like the PEO capital of, of the United States. That They're very, very common in those parts of the area. Okay. But so now that we know what a PEO is, why would employer want one? Um, because of course there's going to be expense to that. So how does that all how does that all balance out? Of course, and you know I'll just ask you one question. You're a business owner. You're a small business owner. I am. Why are you in business? I'm in business for the uh, flexibility and freedom, and to do business the way I want to do it. I did not hear you say, I want to be an employer. You are correct. And that's why small businesses would want a PO because nobody gets in business to be an employer. You get in business again because of your core competency. There is something that excites you. There is something that generates revenue that makes a difference. You don't want to be an employer, or at least that's my understanding from my clients and the small businesses I speak with. And uh, I, I read a, an awesome book called The E-Myth by Mark Gerber. I don't know if you've read that book. I have not heard, I've not read that one. It's a great book. And in it, you know, the author talks about when you start a business, you know, you have sales, marketing. Uh, these are the exciting things. These things generate revenue. Business with an I. Being an employer is business with a Y. It's busyness. And that's, again, recruiting, onboarding, benefits, payroll, taxes, None of that generates revenue. So we'll take care of that. Go focus on your core business. That's why um, employers would want a PEO. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. So let's let's say that um, you're talking to a small business owner, you lay all this out, and they're, what are the biggest objections you hear to a PEO? What are, what are the reasons that somebody would say, that's not for me? Um, biggest competition or biggest objection is status quo. Uh, you know, the PO relationship is different. You know, it's something that most people are not used to because the way it works, it works through something called shared employment. So now we enter a shared employment relationship with these small businesses we work with where we share their employees. Now, we pay their payroll under our FEIN number. And the result, that shifts the responsibility and liability of being an employer from that small business to us. And to me, I think that's the peace of mind that every single business owner uh, desires or dreams of. You mean to tell me I can run a business, I can be in business, everything from a business standpoint, like I hire who I want, fire who I want, I tell them what to do. I have 100% full direction over my business, yet I don't have to deal with everything that has to do with employees, but they're still my employees. Um, so this is, this is the, the, the most attractive thing. Um, about the PO. And I think I just went a circle and forgot to answer your question. Did I answer your question? I, I think you did. Um, I mean, that's one of the biggest um, roadblocks we have in our industry as well is people don't want to try something different um, and they're more comfortable with what they know, with the devil they know than the devil they don't. Um, so it's always a little bit of a challenge there. So what makes a PEO different from a payroll company? That's a really good question. Um, and, you know, a, a payroll company is a payroll company, right? It's a vendor that you use. Um, the PO 
you know, the biggest difference is the shift of employer-related responsibility and liability. You go use an, a payroll company, they're going to process your payroll, but you still maintain 100% of your employer-related responsibility and liability. Where when you're with a, a PEO, that responsibility and liability now is shared with that PEO and, and it's not completely on your desk anymore. Make sense? It, it does. Okay. So obviously I'm in the benefits industry and I've always been a little bit resistant to PEOs in the past for the simple fact that they tended to be my competition. They mm -hmm. would come in and then take my business. Um, there happens to be a large payroll company. Hmm. Starts with an A, ends with a P. You can guess the middle initial um, that actually has um, a PEO product as well now. And they're, they're, they're coming in on the payroll side and then they're taking the client. So mm -hmm. tell me about Insperity and do you work with brokers? Do you compete with brokers? How does how does that work? Because I know for a lot of my peers in the industry, that's a concern for us. Of course. And you know, I you know, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having an open mind to just have the conversation because you're like every other broker I come across or other business. You know, again, it's it's something different, something they're not used to, so they shut down. And you know, to, to answer your question about competing with brokers. Yes, POs, you know, have always competed with benefit brokers because benefit is a part of the solution. Uh, and, it, you know, when it comes to the ecosystem of, of uh, having an employee, uh, the PO ties everything together and benefit is one piece of that. So uh, why does Insperity not compete with brokers? Well, we looked at the past 36 years that we've done this. Um, looking at the market, about 10% of businesses make sense for the PO model. So we stopped and thought for a second, okay, if 10% of the market makes sense, why are we competing on 100% with brokers? Let's develop some relationships with some like-minded brokers in the markets that we're in and the communities that we're in that do want to bring value, that are not just trying to you know, sell the policy, put it to bed, come back next year, renew it. I want to bring value to the businesses I work with. And then we partner with these brokers. Hey, I speak with 10 to 15 businesses a month. I end up doing business maybe with one or two. How about the, the remaining ones? They don't want our service, but they still want benefits. So why don't we you know, share these with the brokers that we're partnered with? And in the same time, I can guarantee you that there is about 10% of your book of business that actually is prime for a PEO. Rather than us you know, going behind you, not knowing that they're your clients and steal them like the G GDP or whatever other uh, PEO you, you brought up. No, let's partner. Let's partner because, you know, at the end of the day, we, we all want to serve uh, the, the business in, in our communities and, and the clients we work with. Okay. So to be clear, Insperity can work with a broker on on a, on a, on a co-basis or only, well, it's, or is it one or the other? What do you mean? So, well, and the reason I'm asking this is because I actually have an Insperity client. So I was yeah. trying... So I do. So I have an I have a client that uses Insperity but carved the benefits out because they did not want the benefits that was that Insperity had. So mm -hmm. to be clear, you can work together with a broker on particular accounts if that's what they choose. Absolutely, and I can work with you on accounts whether they're they're using benefits or not. So that Insperity client, if you brought it to us and kept the benefits outside, 
you would still be compensated from insperity on the PO model, and we don't care what you do with the benefits. And that's one of the, the differentiators about insperity in the market. Um, Nancy, by law, a PEO can't make money on healthcare. Because think about it, these employees of our clients, they're employed by us, they're co-employed by us. So us making money on healthcare is like, you know, one of your clients, you go and, and, and get a policy for, and it's $300 a month for an employee. They go and charge their employees $350 in pocket 50 bucks. So by law, we can't make money on healthcare. So I can estimate that any client you bring to us from a benefit standpoint, we can knock down eight to 12% off the rates because there's no commissions, no fees, no overrides of any kind. And then you as a broker are compensated on the admin fee. So regardless whether they use benefits or not, it doesn't matter to us because I'm not incentivized. Insperity is not incentivized. And, and we just want to bring the benefits that actually make sense for the clients. That's a um, very good explanation. Um, thank you so much. So, okay. So another question I have with regards to PEO. So if the PEO is technically the employer or co-employer, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. so it's a little bit confusing to kind of, you know, separate all that in your head. Does the employee's paycheck come from Insperity or does it come from the employer? And who is technically the employer of record from a W-2 standpoint? That's a great question. So the paycheck comes from both. It has our logo and it has your company's logo on it. W-2 come from Insperity. We are the employer of record and the businesses we work with are the common law employers or the worksite employers. And, um, you know, one of the things that always comes up when I talk to small and medium sized businesses, I don't want to lose control of my business. You actually gain control when you work with a PEO. So, you know, let's say you make phones. This is your business. We don't want anything to do with that. That's 100%. We don't know anything about it. Taking care of employees, that's our core competency. And when you said the co-employment could be confusing, it can be. But think of it as, you know, you have the worksite employer, you have the administrative employer. The worksite employer, you do everything business related. Administrative employer, we do all the back office administrative employee related functions. And I think one of the things that kind of skipped through, I didn't bring up, uh, one of the biggest reasons that small businesses actually find the PO model attractive, especially here in the Seattle area, is it levels the playing field with big companies. Now we're a $5 billion company. When we work with these small and medium-sized businesses, we extend our infrastructure and employee experience becomes comparable to working for a Google or Microsoft. And if you ask me, I think that gives your, your, your employees the best of both worlds. One, I work for a small business. It's the small business, family, close-knit culture. I, I show up to work, my actions actually make an impact. I'm not just a number, but in the same time, I get the same benefits, perks, and employee experience as working for a Microsoft or a Google. And that, that just has a huge value uh, to, to the small businesses. And we call it arm doctor. So at the end of the day, it helps you attract, retain, maintain, develop, and reward top talent. And uh, you know, studies have shown that companies that use us, that use a PO model, on average, grow nine to 10% faster than companies that don't. That's really, yeah, that's really, really interesting. So, okay, so just to kind of, Piggyback on that. So again, we know that the W-2 comes from Insperity. The employer is still technically kind of the employer. Mm -hmm. um, 
let's say that your employee is trying to buy a house and mm-hmm. they're going to do verification of income. And they say, I work for Olympic Crest Insurance and they ask for your W-2, but it says Insperity on it. How do, it how do you run it? And Insperity. You, uh, on the W-2? Oh, the W-2, no, it says Insperity. So how do you reconcile that for the employees? How do you explain that? So this has never been an issue. And okay, well, just, just my, cause my mind always goes to, well, what about this? What about this? Yeah, and I, I appreciate you, you know, bringing this up. So the, this model is actually recognized by the IRS, is recognized by the government agencies. You know, the co-employment, yes, you are employed by the small business, the, no question asked. And the PO is just the administrative employer, the back office administrator for this business. Okay, so um, I think this is a real pretty relevant question given this past year. So uh, if Insperity or a PEO is the employer that handles all the taxes and everything, is the tax rate developed as a pool or is it developed per employer? And I'm thinking in our state specifically with regards to unemployment taxes, because this last year we all saw our tax rate go through the roof because of, you know, stay at home and all the other things that, that came about. So how, how does that impact it? So the unemployment rate stays at the employer level. Okay. Okay. That answers that. Um, okay. So let's see, we covered, um, just reviewing my questions to make sure that I am not missing anything there. Um, so if there's people out there that are thinking, wow, I really didn't understand what a PEO was. I didn't have any idea. I'd like to know more about this. What would be the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Uh, just give me a call. Um, I can pull my cell phone number. I can say it or I can you know, put it in the comments or send in a follow-up email after this. Uh, just give me a call. And what I tell people all the time, I promise I won't try to sell you anything. I won't ask you to buy anything from me. Uh, just have an open mind have a conversation. If at the end of the conversation, you see value, you see this, you know, being something that could make a positive impact on your business, we'll keep the conversation going. And if not, we'll part friends and I'll be a resource for you going forward. Well, I, and I believe that a hundred percent, you know, you and I have been connected for a number of years and to this point in time, I've not done any business with you, but I do really respect you. And, you know, there may be a point in time when that changes. And just even this conversation helps give me clarity on where it might be appropriate. Um, after the show, if you wouldn't mind um, dropping your contact information in the comments so that people can can find that, that would be fantastic. Okay, so on to my five burning questions that I ask every guest. They change up a little bit, but the first one never changes. It's always the same. And I'm always surprised when people are like, ah, I don't know the answer. I'm like, you knew this one was coming. Um, What is your absolute favorite, what's your absolute favorite food in the world and can you cook it? Ooh, see, this is a tough one. And I've, I've, I've heard this question in all of your uh, live LinkedIn um, podcasts before. And uh, I actually spent some time to think about it and I narrowed it down to red meat. I love a good steak and uh, give me a medium rare steak. And yes, I can definitely cook it. And it has to be done on a charcoal grill. I have this little charcoal grill that, you know, I light up in the back, put a a good T-bone steak on it. And actually used to drive my ex-wife crazy how much I love red meat. Um, You know, when we want to make dinner sometimes and we want to have meat, I would make um, a steak and a side of lamb chops. 
And she just looked at me and she says, you can't have a meat as a side of a meat. I said, yes, we can do whatever we want. We're adults. Uh, so red meat, to answer your question. That is hilarious. Um, okay, so I do love steak on the grill, although my very favorite way to prepare it is in a cast iron skillet seared super hard on each side and then finished in the oven. Um, take it out, let it rest for five minutes. Perfection every time. It's really good, particularly for super thick um, cuts of meat because you can get it cooked through um, to okay. the proper temperature. So that's my favorite method. Of course, basted in some butter and herbs. So um, now it's, I'm pretty, hungry. it's pretty tasty. Um, okay. So you mentioned a book earlier. My next question is, what is your favorite book of all time? And then a follow-up to that is, what are you currently reading? Favorite book of all time would be Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I don't know if you've ever read this book. I read it maybe, I read it at least two times a year. Um, and, you know, it helps me put things in perspective um, and, you know, stop complaining about little things that actually don't make any impact. Um, what book am I reading now? Uh, I'm, I'm reading a book by Brene Brown uh, called The Power of Vul Vulnerability. I always have a hard time pronouncing that, that word. And she is such a fun author. What a great book so far. She's, she's an, an amazing lady. Um, I heard Ted talk. I've seen probably half a dozen times and she's so good. So she's really great. Um, okay. So if you could magically get everyone to understand one thing about PEOs, what would it be? Can it be two things? It can be two things. One is you do not lose control. You still have 100% control over your business. Two, um, you're not tied to anything. You're not hooked into anything. Uh, our contract is a 30-day contract. Uh, so we have to earn your business every 30 days. So if at any time you don't like us, you don't like what we do, you just give us a 30-day notice. There is no termination fees. There is no exit fees. There is nothing along these lines. The, the same way we bring you on, we help you know put you out to, to, to the solution that makes sense for you. And that happens. That happens. You know, sometimes some clients outgrow us and it makes sense for us for them to leave. Or sometimes they just don't like us. And uh, it's the nature of doing business. Well, that's great. Um, okay. So what's your secret talent or something that people would be surprised to know about you? Um, I, <laughs> I don't know if I would call it a talent, but something that surprises most people I speak with uh, is about 10 years ago, I did not speak a word of English. Uh, I moved here. Really? I, that surprises I, me. You're very, you speak great. Thank you. I did not speak a word of English. I knew a couple of words, but I could not put a sentence together and have a conversation. And believe me, there, there's been many, many awkward and uncomfortable uh, language barrier conversation. And if I can share one, uh, one of my favorites, I was working uh, at a coffee shop in Portland, Oregon, about 10 years ago. And I was having this conversation with uh, a girl, a customer, and at the end of the conversation, she says, okie dokie. So I stop for a second and I look at her and I say, I understand Doki. What is Doki? So she looks at me and says, oh, Doki means nothing. And I said, okay, good. So two days after, she gives me a call and she says, hey, what are you up to? And I say, Doki. She says, what? <laughs> I said, Doki. I was like, oh why do you keep saying that? 
And I said, you said it means nothing and I'm not doing anything. <laughs> and she probably laughed for 15 minutes on the phone and I was super upset because I thought I was being, you know, very cool. I'm using these big words, you know, dokey. It's like, no, no, that's, that's not what it means. It just has no meaning. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, my best friend, um, uh, we've been friends for a very long time, but some odd, 30 odd years ago when we were much younger, um, she is, uh, her family's Polish. And so German was her native language. And the thing she was had very, very good English, except when she would try to say like a, an American saying, she would always get it backwards. And I would just always, I'd always start laughing and she'd look at me and she's like, I messed it up again, didn't I? <laughs> like, yeah, Suze, it's the, I said, Let, let's run through that one one more time. But I nope. mean, honestly, I think that that is, um, I think it's awesome. I mean, that people make the effort to, you know, learn the language, but at the same time that they are, that, that they didn't grow up speaking it natively. I mean, I think we have to embrace that with each other and appreciate it. And if I laugh, it's, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because I think it's a funny situation and I appreciate your efforts. So, you know, might not always be, might not, I should probably be more careful about that, but I just think it's fun to enjoy the process. Oh, certainly. No. And, and now I find a lot of these, you know, I look back and I laugh at it, even though at the time they were not funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, now I think they're absolutely hilarious. And I can relate to your friend because Arabic, we, I speak Arabic. That's my mother's tongue. And it goes from right to left when we write. And a lot of things, uh, hi, Portland, Oregon, bud. Um, a lot of times I do get things backwards. And especially when it comes to um, what we do, I know we provide turnkey or key turn HR solutions. And I always get it backwards. When I talk to my prospects, I say, we provide turn, no, key turn, key turn solutions. And they're like, okay, yeah, you got it right. Oh, that's funny. So, um, so since you, again, I, I warned you, I, I'm like a squirrel sometimes, I like, get a little diverted, but so since you, you told us that you just came here 10 years ago, where did you come from and why did you come here? Uh, I grew up in Jordan in the Middle East. And I came here for opportunity. This is a land of opportunity. And, uh, you know, I, I want to work. I want to create a future. I want to, you know, support my family. I want to, you know, build build a life. And uh, it's been the best thing I've ever done. Did you, um, I, I, you mentioned Portland. Did you come to the Seattle area via Portland? Did you go to college here? Uh... Yeah, so my first stop in the U.S. was Portland, Oregon. And as you can imagine, the cultural shift from coming from the Middle East to Portland, Oregon, Just out of all yeah. <laughs> And people tell me all the time, people from other parts of the U.S. come to Portland, Oregon, and they get culturally shocked. So they can relate to what I'm saying. So I went to Portland, Oregon, lived there from 2009 to 2013, uh, went to school for a little bit. I don't like school. Um, I love to learn. Um, you know, I absolutely love to learn, but I just never liked the idea of sitting in a classroom with 30 other people learning the same exact thing, going home, memorize it and come back and get tested on how well we memorized it. So, you know, uh, in 2014, 2015, I decided, OK, I want to stop going to college in one condition. I continue to find ways to teach myself things. So, you know, I have mentors all over the country and I made a promise to myself to read minimum of 75 to 100 books a year on things that actually make an impact on my life, uh, make an impact on my career. And that's what I've been doing. 
And ever since I started doing that, you know, I've been surrounded by by the right people. Um, I've been extremely lucky to be at the right place at the right time, surrounded by the right people to get to do the things I do today. That's amazing. Um, I consider myself to be a lifelong learner as well. Um, I do not have a college degree hanging on my wall, um, mm -hmm. but I I believe that the minute that you quit learning and you you stop being curious, you start to you start to shrink for lack of a better term, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I just believe that all the, I think that learning is really one of the keys to, to happiness and to lifelong satisfaction. So I love, I love your attitude about that. Sure. Okay. Last question for you. Who is the one person that you have connected with or follow on LinkedIn or alternatively a podcast host that you would most like to meet in person and maybe share some red meat with. <laughs> uh, that would have to be Brian Burns. I don't know if you know Brian. I've been I don't think I him. do. Um, he, he's a great guy. He has a podcast and he's also on LinkedIn, posts short videos every couple of days. And, um, you know, he's focused on sales, but he's focused on sales in, in, in a way that keeping it real, like, you know, let's be real with each other because, um, we're, we're not selling a product. We're, we're selling problems that we solve. And he just provides great insights and values. And, and I've learned a lot from following him and, and um, you know, watching his videos and listening to his podcasts. I will definitely check him out. Okay. So we are at the end of our session. Are there any parting thoughts or things that you would like to leave us with today? Um, I, I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. And, and, you know, I know I told you a million times and I will continue to tell you. Um, I know we, we met a couple of times in the past and in the last two years or so, I have grown a tremendous amount of respect to you and your business. And you've been an inspiration. Uh, you know, you, you've adapted to new ways of doing business and just watching your growth over the last two years, you've become an expert. You've become a pro at, at doing these things. And um, now anytime I see your name pop up, I know there's going to be some good value. So I go and look and read and watch whatever you post. So thank you for the opportunity uh, to, to be here this morning and, and share some time with you. Thank you, Mo. That was very, very kind of you to say. Um, I really enjoyed having you on here. Um, I learned a little bit more about PEOs today, even the, more than I knew before. I hope that um, the audience learned as well. Please, if you're not already connected with Mo, um, connect with him, follow him. Um, he is going to leave his phone number and contact information in the comments. And if for some reason you can't find it that way, feel free to reach out to me and I will put you in contact with him as well. So until next week, make it a great day, everybody.